sound check. This is a test. I was a youth once. Let's turn uh, in our Bibles before we pray again and commit this time to the Lord. Let's turn to a couple of verses. And we'll start with Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I give you rest. Let's turn to Matthew 16, verse 17. Matthew 16, verse 17. Well, let's. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, uh, verse 15, the Lord said, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Let's turn to Luke chapter 11. Pick up in verse 8. He's talking about prayer. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because of his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now he goes on and explains some more. Now suppose one of you you fathers is asked by his son for fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if you ask for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? But if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. John chapter 3. And verse, we'll start in, um, well, very familiar, but let's still read it. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of, 
of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born anew, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Listen, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound. You hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it, where it wants to and you hear it. And finally, let's turn to the verse that our conference theme is in, Colossians chapter 2. We'll just read verse 6 and 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Having been rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Verse 6 again, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you again for sending your Son to this earth to go to that cross as the Son of God, but as a payment for all of our sin. Lord, we thank you for the salvation given and offered to every single one of us. We thank you for this chance to be together and study your word. And we thank you that you are a God who reveals that you, even as the creator and ruler of the heavens, you have chosen to reveal yourself to a people. And you've chosen to save and redeem a people. And Lord, we thank you for this time together that we have together this weekend. Thank you for this time as we open your word together. And we trust your Holy Spirit to quicken your word. Lord, it is our desire, as was already prayed this morning, we want to see you. We want to see Jesus. We want to get to know you better. That's what matters to us. And we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name. So our theme for this conference comes out of, in verse, uh, the phrasing comes out of verse 7 there in Colossians chapter 2. Having been rooted and now being built up. The emphasis on my heart for us this morning is actually in the first, is verse 6. 
Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And in order to get the the feeling of that verse, I want us to also look at the verses later on there. Let's pick up in verse 16. Therefore, no one is to act as judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of a prize by delighting in self-abasement and worship of angels, taking a stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. That's verse 19, if you're catching up. But listen to verse 20 again. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, etc., etc.? Verse 23. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Notice that phrase. Elementary principles of the world, I think NIV says, what, basic principles? What's NIV say for that? You guys have NIV. Basic principles? Okay. And that's the same phrase that's used in verse 6, averted verse 8. According to the, he's talking about the tradition of men and the elementary principles of the world. And we're going to dive into that as we try to understand fully what the Lord is saying to us in verse 6, in this simple phrase, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, as we have this conference, I'm not involved with the planning of the conference, but as this conference focuses on this phrase built up and, and being rooted, what I hear in that is a hunger that we have a hunger for the Lord to go deep. We have a hunger to go go farther. We have a hunger to go on and have Him build up in our lives as we walk with Him. I hope that's that's true for you. And so we do, as we naturally do, we ask how. How do I go on? How do I go deep? How do I live this life with the Lord the way He wants And what we find in this passage here that Paul is giving us, we find two dramatically different ways of going. Two different ways of approaching things. We find this way of Christ, according to Christ, and then we find this other way that involves the traditions of man, involves the elementary principles of the world, whatever that means. It involves this other way. And clearly, Paul in verse 6 is saying, As you received, there's a a certain way we receive him that we want to embrace and and go full full forward with. And there's a contrast to another way, which gets called several things. And so we're going to be comparing those as we go through our time this morning. And as we reflect on our own experience, now look, consider verse 6. As you received the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. 
We're all different. When did you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Some receive when they're six years old. Some like stubborn, selfish people like me. It's not till college. Think about your own situation. How did you receive the Lord Jesus? And if you did receive him as a child, how did you later on, maybe as you became a young adult, how did you really receive him? We're all different. The Lord reaches us in different ways. What are the things that go into us receiving Christ Jesus, the Lord? Because that's what he says here in verse 6. As you have received, so walk. So as I pondered this in the time, I came up with five parts of this. So five things we're going to look at that I think are part of us really receiving Christ. And I'll just list them right now and then we're going to go into them each. The first is seeking. We don't receive the Lord until we're seeking, right? You don't go after him until you're hungry. As we saying, as a deer pants. So the first thing is we, there has to be a seeking on our part before anything really happens from our side. And that's something to do with a humble heart. Think of those people that went out to see that crazy guy, John the Baptist. They had to really be seeking to go to him. That's number one. The second one is the Holy Spirit's conviction. There has to be a place where the Holy Spirit starts showing us things about ourselves, about our sin for sure, but actually about a lot of things. And that sort of works with the first one, doesn't it? When the Holy Spirit's shown you some things, doesn't the hunger grow? The seeking gets a little more intense. My awareness of what's really going on grows too. So that's my sec- the second one. Holy Spirit's convicting. The third is revelation. That is, God revealing himself to you. Revelation. The real deal. The fourth is our response. That's the one we usually think of. The fourth is our response to the Lord. That is, our believing or our receiving or our deciding or our act of faith or our step of faith. That's number four is us responding to Him. And the reason I have to use all those words is because I have to use all those words. We'll talk about that later. And finally, number five is indwelling. The Holy Spirit coming into us, entering our lives, and in a sense, the Christ taking His place in our life as our Lord. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when we look back, I don't know if, as I'm talking, if you look back on how you've received Christ in your life, don't you find those things are there? If you take those things out, nothing happens. But all those things are really important. Seeking, the Holy Spirit showing us things, 
revelation, when he really shows us Christ, and Christ shows us the Father, our response, I believe, or I have decided to follow Jesus, as we sing. And the fifth, it's not just that, he now comes and dwells in us. That's how we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, right? All, there, there's much more to it, maybe. But those five things we want to focus on. Now, they're not necessarily in order. And they don't go one step at a time. You do this, and then you do that, and you do that. They're all mixed up in time. Sometimes, actually, we have one friend who was saved in one night. That's Dennis, if you ever heard his story. Somebody approached him on the street. They started talking about the Lord. Actually, he had a conversation a week or two before. A little bit of prep. And one night, he received the Lord. He went through all these phases <laughs> in probably about two hours. All these things happened. But for some of it, stretched out over time. Anyway, it's not a specific sequence, and it's not a particular time. And, th- and I also want to say, since this is a youth conference, it has nothing to do with age. Nothing. Those of us, I mean, the fact is that someone in the eighth grade can come to know the Lord in a profound, life-changing way. And many of us don't get to know the Lord until we're in our 20s or 30s or later. So age has nothing to do with it. The Lord does, we, all these things can happen no matter what age we are. So Paul's point seems to me, and this is what we want to explore and meditate on this morning, is that the way we receive Christ is the way we want to walk and the way we go on and the way we're rooted and the way we're built up. So let's explore that together. Now, before we dive into those five things and look at them, Let's also see what we're contrasting against. Okay, we find this phrase in verse 8. See that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So what's this contrast? Now, we all know that uh, for those who studied your Bible, you know that when Paul wrote this letter, those in Colossians had been, uh, there'd been bad teaching uh, philosophy, philosophical stuff that was off base, right? That was drawing them away. So it's a very clear-cut case that these philosophies, these ideas, were being mixed in and distorting people's understanding of Christ. And he's very concerned about that. And actually, if you look at 2,000 years of church history, you find groups going off this way, off that way, off this way, that way. It's all about getting off track with philosophy and bad ideas. But we want to go a little deeper today because notice that those philosophies and those distortions, they come, they're based on what? They're based on traditions of men. And they're based on elementary principles of the world. Well, let's start with traditions of men. Are traditions bad? Or are traditions good? We have a tradition. It sort of turned into a tradition. We have a youth weekend conference once a year. Uh, it's been a few years now. You could say that's a tradition. 
There's a tradition called Easter now. Most, every, well, a lot of Christians are celebrating Easter this weekend. Hopefully we're celebrating the Lord's resurrection every week and every day. But that's a tradition. Is that good or bad? Hmm. People thinking about the Lord, that's good. Decorating eggs, that's fun. Bunnies hiding eggs and going and looking for them. What's that all about? You guys never do that stuff? What's a bunny have to do with it? I, I don't get it. And eggs. I like painting them, but... And Christmas. That's a great tradition. Doesn't fit the Lord's time of birth. Giving presents to each other. Um, but I love that tradition, especially because it's a family time. So are traditions good or bad? That's the point is, traditions actually are just part of the way things are done in human society. That's how we do things. There's good traditions, bad traditions. What are the elementary principles of the world? What I'm saying, what we're saying here is, Paul's saying that's the way things are done normally. How are things done normally? We need ceremony. We need regularity. We need to have a pattern. We like to have a list of rules. Does this sound like religion to you? Most religions latch on to traditions and they latch on to ceremony. Things like that. Now, most of us have been sort of free of that, but what I'm pointing out is that's the way people usually do stuff when it comes to religion. We emphasize, now let's, let's focus, let's get real about ourselves. All this emphasizes the outward, the appearance, looking good, doing good things. And most of the things emphasize our human skill, that we get good at stuff. And we can learn from other people that are good at doing whatever they do. Okay, I, I may be confusing you, but we're trying to see what Paul is talking about here. It's not just evil philosophies that only philosophy majors like me go off and study. It's not just evil philosophies taking your church and diverting you down a terrible path. That happens. But he's saying this is the way we, in our natural man, do these things. This is what we do naturally. It comes normal for us. It's the way you and I relate to each other. We do care about appearances. These things are actually in us. It's the way we learn. We learn from, from training. We learn by book knowledge. We learn by example. These, that's not bad. But what we want to see this morning is this way is in contrast to the way according to Christ. There's still a difference. The way we learn in school is not necessarily the way the Lord wants to teach us. So we'll see as we go along. Hopefully it will make more sense. So let's go back to our five things that we find when, that, we, um, that are part of us coming to receive Christ. The first one was seeking. A seeking heart. A humble heart. And hopefully we still have that humble heart here. We're still seeking Him. And you can remember back to moments in your life where you really were seeking Him. 
Let's go back to Luke chapter 11, verse... uh, I'll just read that one verse again. Verse 9. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And you all know the English actually means... Uh, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. And the Lord is telling us to be persistent. And as we already read, notice that at the very end of this, in verse 13, the Lord specifically speaks of how much the Father wants to give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking. So the first thing in receiving the Lord is we have to hunger for Him. We have to seek Him. We have to have a humble heart to say, Lord, I want You or I want Your truth. And there's sometimes, sometimes you, as you look at the way the Lord does things, that's all He needs. All He asks of you. All He asks of you is just turn to Him. You turn to him and he starts working those other four things. You turn to him, he starts showing you things. Then your hunger grows. You turn to him and the seeking gets more intense. But there has to be a seeking. We have to seek from him. That's the simplest one. So now we have the way of the Lord. According to Christ, we have to be seeking. What's the the world alternative? What's the principle of the world alternative to seeking? Seeking God. I think it's basically going with the group. Flow with the group. Wanting what others want. We all do it. So-and-so got the latest shoes or their cell phone or their this or that and you want one of those. So-and-so seems to be popular. I want to be popular. I'll do what they do. So-and-so wears the right clothes and everybody's impressed, so I will now wear those clothes. So-and-so seems good. You know, they, they seem impressive. Other people seem impressed with them. I'll, I'll follow their actions. So the way we normally do things in terms of our behavior and what's important to us is that we're very influenced by everyone around us, or specifically those we hang out with. Okay, that's the norm. And that too, like traditions, that's not bad or good. We hang out with a really bad crowd, it takes us down. We hang out with a good crowd, it actually helps. Right? But my point today is, that's not good enough. You hang out with a good crowd, that's good. But am I... Am I, is my hunger for the Lord just because I want I, I see them doing something and I want to follow? That's different from hunger from the Lord. So in other words, the way we normally do things is all sort of horizontal. Okay. And don't tell me now, do you stop and think about who you're here with? I see the Richmond gang come and other people come from Long Island. More town folks, I don't know if they're here today yet. Are you, aren't you influenced like 
intensely by those folks on a week by week, month by month basis? Oh, good. I see a couple of heads going, no way. Yeah, right. Okay. You're not, those of you just shook your head, that's a good point. You're not influenced by them even as you rebel against them. That's like one of those, you know, you're not influenced by your parents even though you rebel against them. Anyway, we're affected by the people around us. And this, this is the way we do things. It's not necessarily bad or good, but it's the way, the elementary principles of the world. That's the way the world works because that's the way we naturally are. Got it? Maybe. Okay, number two, Holy Spirit's conviction. We all know that in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus speaks, verse 8, he speaks of the Holy Spirit will convict of sin. So let me tell you a story. I was a junior once in high school. See, I said I was, I was a youth one time. And I went to a retreat, a church retreat, although at that point the church I was in actually weren't believers who were running it. So it was what I call a nominal church. But we're, our youth group went on a retreat. So a bunch of youth, about 20, we hang out together and we, we try to read the Bible even though we don't understand it and make meaningful things out of it. And it's a very interesting time. We do activities and all that. And, but the real thing that was going on that year was that I was in love with Sarah Wilson. Nothing else really mattered but Sarah Wilson. Now, Sarah Wilson was a, a year older than me. And at that time, that was like 10 years older. There's no way she as a senior was going to be interested in me as a junior. She was just up there. Sarah was beautiful and deep and, and you know, that's what mattered to me. And she had a sister named Ellen who was in my grade. That messed everything up because she was cute. And you know, we were sort of, you know, people like, oh, you should be boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, anyway, the point is, I'm at this retreat and I'm in love with Sarah Wilson and she'll never be in love with me. And by the way, there's a really happy ending to that. She never once cared about me as other than a friend. And she and I have something in common. She and I both became Christians in college. And she served in Africa with her husband. So anyway, thank God for that. She never showed any interest in me. I would have messed her life up. But the point was, I'm trying to get back to the main point. My main point, I was in love with Sarah Wilson. All that weekend, I was doing stuff and having a good time and being cool with the other high schoolers. We were in a high school group. But when I came home, I had this moment where I realized, first of all, she'll never love me back, so get over it. And the second, listen carefully, I saw that everything I was doing on that weekend, everything, was trying to repress her. That's never happened to any of you. I was trying to impress her and because it was a church group and we were doing good things, being positive and sensitive and musical and other things, I was being really good that weekend. And all of a sudden it hit me, all that good act you had, all that good stuff you were putting on was really just to impress other people. Of course, Sarah. But other people. 
And it actually hit me hard. And I thought, all this good action is really, at the middle of it, it's just selfish. I was just being selfish. It's just that I was trying to do something, so I put on a good act. Okay, you got me? Now, why did I tell the story? What was the second point? Holy Spirit convicting of sin. Now, I didn't understand any of this. It was years later I looked back and say, oh, that's what happened. It wasn't for years till I received Christ. That was the Holy Spirit coming in and showing something. Showing that there was a selfish core there and all this behavior, good stuff, can sometimes just be an act and be a part of impressing one another. And that's the way the world works, isn't it? We do, we're good enough to impress other people. We're good enough so so-and-so will be proud of me. Or we're bad enough to impress people. Depends on who you hang with, right? Sometimes you're with a group of people and you have to be bad in order to impress them. That gets ugly fast. But it's the same principle. Are we doing and being in order to impress those around us? Or is there better, a higher thing going on? Another phrase I want to use is this idea of inside out or outside in. I was putting on a good face and it was sort of outside in. I was being influenced by them, but inside there was just this selfish guy who's trying to get what he wants. So you hear when I'm talking, you hear the contrast to the way the world works versus the Holy Spirit showing us something. The way the world works is we look horizontally. We always do this kind of thing. Well, are you good or bad? You sort of look around, well, better than him. I'm not as bad as him. I must be okay. I know there's so-and-so, well, they're, always, they're too good. But you see, it's horizontal. And that's the way we normally do things. It's not some dark, deep, dark system. It's the way we are in our natural self. Well, there's a darkness behind it, but that's another emphasis. So what do you have in terms of morality? Because we work this way, what you have is mediocrity and you have compromise. You know, How much sin is sin? How bad is bad? Everybody's looking and comparing. Does that make any sense? The difference is when the Holy Spirit shows you something, it comes from above and He shows you. He showed me I was selfish. Now, if you compared me to other people in my high school, I was, in some people's words, a goody two-shoes. Okay? That's just a fact. Because I had a nice family and sisters and good friends and I hadn't gone out with the drug crowd yet. Or, well, I only dabbled in that. I was a good guy, right? I was nice. So if I compare myself to other people, I'm like, I'm great. Pride, woo. But what did the Holy Spirit show? Came in, in my private moment, and said, wow, everything you're doing is really just selfish. That's ugly. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. That's the way God works. The third one. Anybody remember what it was? What's number three? Revelation. 
what is revelation? Revelation, the word means to reveal something. Hopefully something nicer than my face. Reveal something hidden, right? To reveal. And I'm so glad when I got my hair cut the other day, I found the answer to this whole thing about revelation. Because if you drink Green Mountain coffee, there is a revelation in every cup. It says it right here. A revelation in every cup. So from now on, we'll have to start serving it. By the end of this weekend, we'll all be so flying so high on caffeine and having a revelation every time we down one of these things. Anyway, revelation is the answer. Jokes aside, the revelation we're talking about is God revealing something to you. This is really, really important. We read the verse already in, t- in chapter 16 of Matthew, in verse 17, when, when, Christ, when, when, when Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, notice that Jesus said, Father, reveal this to you. Now let's turn back to Matthew 11. And we read verse 25. We'll read again. Jesus said, I praise you, Father. And whenever, the Lord, whenever we see Jesus praying to his Father, we just it's so amazing. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. He's actually celebrating with his father the fact that God's, in God's ways, the truth about him, the truth about God is hidden to most people. And then it's revealed to babes, infants, children, simple ones. And then in the end of verse 27, he talks about how Jesus is going to reveal the father. So the revelation we're talking about here today is when God shows you Jesus. That's the most common. That's not the most common. That's the one we're focusing on. Of course, Jesus then shows you the Father. But revelation is really God showing you, not something indirect. Not some common experience. And not something shared actually it sometimes happens for two or three people in a group but the important thing is it's individual when the Lord showed you and you've had the experiences I hope and trust when the Lord shows you himself you're different it changes you We know a lot about Jesus, but then when we meet him, we're changed. Right? So many things happen that are are good. We might make a decision. We might have thoughts about Jesus. We may be believing in him. But when we meet him, and when, when we meet Jesus, we know him. We can say we know God. 
He becomes alive as a person to us. Now, I'm not, for some of you, you say, well, well, that that happened in the past. (laughs) Our whole point today is that Paul is saying these things are the way we walk and continue with the Lord. We don't want to live our whole life on some revelation the Lord gave you of himself three years ago. Real revelation from God to you is very rare. This is extremely special. This is not just a good feeling when someone plays a song. There are moments when the Lord touches you and you know it's Him. Revelation is so amazing. The fact that God wants to show us Himself is amazing. The fact that God just doesn't want to leave it there that we learn about Him, but He wants us to meet Him is amazing. And to know Him directly is amazing. But as he says in this verse, he says he's showing it to infants. And we all know that, that the Lord talks about uh, accepting as a child. Actually, let's go to that verse. Mark 10, verse 15. It's one of them. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And I think everyone in this room knows when when the Lord speaks of an infant or a child, he's not going to be talking about, well, he's not talking about how selfish children can be. He's talking about children are two things that are really, really wonderful with regard to God. One is they're dependent still. And the other is they're honest and open. Before they grow up and start putting on those layers like all of us in this room have learned how to do. As we grow up, we learn to be good and hide things and do all that stuff. There are children at a certain age, they're just blah. They're just there. Right? They're just honest. And they're humble because they actually depend it. They may not even know it. But when the Lord speaks of become as a child in order to enter the kingdom, he's talking about those factors. Honesty and then dependence. And that's what the Lord looks for when when he's looking to reveal himself. He looks for that childlike nature in us. Are we honest? And are we recognizing our dependence? And then when the Lord reveals, it shows us things. Then we can see the kingdom of God. We can see Jesus. And he does more that than we actually know it. Let's go back to John chapter 3. You know, Nicodemus says, how do these things happen? I just want to emphasize one verse now. Verse 7 and 8. He says, Jesus says, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This picture of the wind is so great for explaining how the Holy Spirit works and how revelation happens. 
If we opened the door now and it was stormy and a wind came in here, all of us would know it, right? We'd hear it. We'd actually feel it too. We don't know where it came from. We don't know when it's going, where it's going. But we know it when it happens. And that's the way that the move of God is. We don't control when the Holy Spirit's going to show you something. When revelation's going to happen. We can't say, God, I'm ready. It's 8 o'clock. And I'm ready for my revelation. It doesn't work that way because He's God. <laughs> and He reveals when He wants to reveal. We're really talking about those moments when He does it to you, right? We can't manufacture it. We can be studying the Bible for a couple hours, five days in a row, and we're learning lots of things about the Lord and we're before Him and we're humble in heart. And maybe only one moment during that time, there's revelation. The Lord speaks to us and we go, that's Him. Thank you, Lord. That's you. I know that's you. All that other work I did is important. But you just spoke. And I know it. And I can take that. Whatever you just showed me about yourself. That's revelation. It's like the wind blowing. It hit me. I know it's the wind. I can't explain it to you, but I feel the wind. It's real. It's a mystery to everybody else. But when the Lord touches, it's real. Like that wind hitting your face. And it also leads to a kind of knowing. I still remember three days after I, I really had an experience of receiving the Lord in my life, I went and talked to my closest friend from high school. And I was trying to explain what happened. Two weeks before, if you said, do you know God? I would say, no, I don't know God. I'm seeking God. I think, the Christ, I think Jesus is the way and all this, but I don't know. I think it might all be a fake. All these people are just believing the same thing and convincing each other. But after that date, after the experience that I had that one day of receiving Him and, and knowing His presence and just... Then I had to say, I know. I could have lots of confusing thoughts, but he said, do you know God? I'd say, yes, I know God. To deny him would be a lie. Right? So when the Lord does that to you, and you, you can attest to it too, when the Lord touches you, there's a certainty there. I was a philosophy major in college. I was looking for certainty. There is none. <laughs> there is none. My high school teacher who said, I know the Lord, provided the contrast for my study in philosophy. He knew the Lord. You know something because the Lord has shown you. It's certain. It's different from the other kinds of knowledge we build up, even in our scriptural understanding. When the Lord reveals to you, then you know it. And it changes you. Now, Oswald Chambers has this quote, which I'll um, read. Now, because we're talking mostly about our salvation experience, but it's more than that, and it's not just that. So listen to what he says. Being saved and seeing Jesus are not the same thing. Many people who have never seen Jesus have received and share in God's grace. 
and received his salvation, salvation, been forgiven. But once you see him, real revelation, you can never be the same. Other things will not appeal as they did before. And we should always recognize the difference between what Jesus has done for, for you, what Jesus has done for us, and what, who Jesus really is. If you see only what God has done for you, your God is not big enough. And so this issue of revelation, that is God showing you Jesus Christ, you individually, is huge. So important. And I think everyone in this room, you've had different measures of that. You've either had large, big experience or maybe small ones. But the important thing is that he offers this and it's critical to our life. I just want to point out one thing I'm just, um, related to, go back to Matthew 11. These famous verses at the end of Matthew 11, we always read them by themselves. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. These amazing verses that so many of us have embraced as we receive Christ. Notice they come right after this prayer of Jesus to his father saying, wow, it's so amazing that you hide these things from the smart guys and you show it to babes and then I get to reveal you to them and then he turns and goes, come unto me, all you are heavy laden. Isn't that amazing? It's like he's celebrating the fact that revelation is the way it's at and then he turns and says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, I'll give you, give you rest. Come to me, Jesus. Jesus is saying, come to me, I'll reveal who God is and that's what will give you rest. That's your answer. So revelation is very important. Real revelation. And revelation, revelation is, as we said, is God has to do it. And also, the ratio of time is not something we, we really like. Um, in other words, we could be seeking the Lord for months and then He reveals Himself to us in a moment. Revelation moments are, are that. They're moments. We can be studying the Bible solid week or solid two weeks and only have one moment where we really feel the Lord spoke to us. That's not a bad thing. Why? Because when the Lord speaks, it's eternally valuable. Right? It doesn't take a lot of time. If He shows you something, that's it forever. When He saves you, you're saved forever. When He shows you something important about Himself, and you go, yes, Lord, I see that now. Reading through Old Testament and going through the laws and and getting caught up in all that nitty-gritty then, and then somehow the Lord points out a couple of those laws and you just have a moment where the Lord says, see my mercy? My mercy is so basic to who I am. And you just say, Lord, wow, that's who you are. 
How many hours or even days of studying the Bible went into that? But in one moment, God's revelation gives you something eternal. Because it's He's shown you something about Himself. And you now what? You know that. And now you can respond to that. But those ratios are tough. You know, lots of study, individual moments of revelation. So that doesn't work well with the elementary principles of this world. That's not the way things naturally work. You can't run a school like that. You can't build a career like that. How does the world work in regard to these things? Regular learning means going to school and studying and being diligent and learning things over time. Now, how does that apply, though, to faith? Well, we can learn the Bible the normal way, and we do need to study. We do need to spend time in there. But what happens if all our learning is learning about Jesus? What if everything we do, even when we're here at a weekend like this, we're just learning about Him? That's still good. That's better than the alternative. Playing computer games all weekend or doing stupid stuff. But the way, the natural way of learning is is book learning. Okay? You master doctrine and teaching. Or, another alternative that happens a lot in the world, you end up following a person. We all become Danaites because we follow Dana. Because what happens in history, and it's happened over and over, 2,000 years of it, you know, why do we have a Lutheran church? Because of Luther. We have some brother who has a lot of gifting and he really sees some things, and what happens? A bunch of people start following that person, right? So that's another natural way things happen. Are we doing that? Are we latching on to one person or another person? We're tempted to just learn and grow those normal ways. And of course, that's not, uh, that's not bad in itself. But, it is real revelation from God to you of who Jesus is and of Jesus himself. That's what changes us. Right? That's what draws us. That's what anchors us. That's what's going to give us deep roots. That's what's where the real building goes on. Now, also notice in our theme verse, we go back to Colossians now. Let's look again at that verse. Notice Paul said, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord... You know, he didn't just say Jesus. He didn't say just say Christ. And he didn't just say the Lord. So let's think about that for a moment. As you received Jesus. Now for most of us, when we're saved or receive Jesus, it's Jesus means what? Savior. Right? We receive Jesus, our Savior. We got this sin thing and he took care of it. He brought us forgiveness and, and we enter into life with him. That was true for me. When I finally stubbornly gave up and said, Lord, it's you. And then he showed himself to me and I had my start. 
I understood Jesus as my Savior. But you know what? There was a ton of stuff I had no idea about. I was only beginning to read the Bible. It didn't make sense to me. So, did I understand Jesus as Christ? Or Jesus as my Lord and Master? I didn't. In other words, the point is, the Lord needs to reveal Himself to you in layers. You know, in a deepening way. For me... And for many of us, we receive the Lord as, as, as Jesus. But how do we receive him? What's the next one is Christ. Christ means the anointed one. Christ the Messiah. That's the word, right? It means the anointed one. Remember John the Baptist saying, watching the, the dove come down, saying, wow, he's, he's the anointed one. And he said Jesus is going to be the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So not only was he anointed by the Holy Spirit here on earth, but when he ascended, he could send his Holy Spirit. Look at all of Colossians chapter 1 and all the stuff that leads all these amazing things about Christ. Now, when I received the Lord the first at that beginning, I had no idea about all that stuff. Now, a few months later, I started hanging out with some Christians and going to meetings and hearing them talk about the Bible and things started becoming clear. And there were moments later where the Lord shows you, oh, He's not just my Savior. He redeemed all mankind. He's not my Savior. He created this thing called the church, the body of Christ. That's who He is. Do we get that right at the beginning? No. We, that God will reveal that. Many of you, He's revealed it to you already. The point is, He wants to reveal more of who He is. Him revealing Himself to you. Right? And it's Christ Jesus, the Lord. I still think the Lord's working on me on that one. It's not just Jesus, not just Christ, but He's Lord. Is He really Lord? Now, we all know the experience that when we're saved, we have, there's that selfish guy on the throne of myself. And then when we receive the Lord, it's like, oh, Christ comes in and He's on the throne. But not always. <laughs> Where sometimes, you know, there's a battle going on. So the Lord, what's He showing you and I about the fact that He's the Lord? Is that an area where the Lord's touching you? Revealing, saying, hey, do you see this? Do you see He's really in charge? Those are just questions. The point is, this is ongoing. With each one of us, the Lord has got more of himself to show to us. Uh, we have two more to go. Don't worry, they're short. What's the fourth one? The fourth one is the one I couldn't pick a word for, so I just have a bunch of words. And the fourth one comes out of Revelation. The reason Revelation is so important is that if we decide and believe and receive Christ with our heads, in our minds, because we think it's good or because we studied a book or because our friends are doing it, that doesn't count. But if we decide or believe or receive Christ because He's shown Himself to you, that's the real deal. 
So it's sort of like a prism here. What is it? Well, it's sort of like a decision. I've decided to follow Christ. It's an act of will. No? But another word is believe. We're believing in Jesus who we have met. That's also an act. We believe, but it's a response to him. The emphasis is not so much on I'm deciding. It's on I believe in him. (laughs) And it's a response. When the Lord reveals, we respond. It's a step of faith, yes. It's an act. It's an act of obedience. It's all these things. We receive him who has been revealed to us. Now, we're not just, again, we're not just talking about when you receive Christ as salvation. Now, think in terms of when the Lord shows you something. When When the Lord reveals something to you about Christ, about himself, what do you do? We respond. Do we respond in faith by receiving that revelation and saying, yes, Lord, I agree with you? Does that revelation sometimes cause us to to act in obedience? We take a step of obedience? Yes, all of that. When the Lord reveals, then we respond. So on our side, it feels like our side, right? It's a decision. It's a step of faith. It's active belief. But on the other side, we're just responding to him. He reveals himself. We say, of course, I want you. Right? So that's the fourth one, is to actually receive what God has shown us, whether it's in our salvation experience or whether it's what he's showing to us each and every day or in the moment, sorry, not each and every day. When we look at it from God's view, it seems like it's all grace because if we look back, we say, well, God even gave me this, the hungry heart. He, did, he does everything. So let's contrast that to the way the world works. So the alternative is, I don't know if you've got this pattern now yet, how do we make decisions in the world? We make them on knowledge and on facts and on convenience. And now let's talk about spiritual matters. The alternative in the world is for us to make decisions, like we can make a decision to become a Christian. Or we have this horrible thing in churchdom where people become members. So they join a church and go through a class and then sign up and become a member. There's nothing inherently evil about that, but that's the way the world works. That's the way you join a club or a society of some kind. You do things that are, look at it, it's on the outside, right? I carry a card. I'm a member. I'm a Christian because I joined. It's all in my head. I did it. But that's the way the world works. That's the natural way is to just do something on the outward because it's a lot easier. And then if you have, you're a card-carrying member because you followed some rules and now you do some good works and now you feel good about it, 
Everything's great. So That's the way the world works. Everything affirms how good and right we are, but actually it's full of compromise. It's full of just mediocrity from God's point of view. I know some of you are so young and you haven't seen any of this stuff in the real world yet. Wait till you get out there, you know, past college and in the work world. You're in high school and college where everybody's very pristine and very, very, there's tons of integrity and everybody's honest and people are unselfish, right? Sorry, I had to go sarcastic on you. You're in the middle of it. Everything I'm talking about is so much, it's as true in junior high as it is in high school, right? Everything's horizontal. Everything's group. Everything's group thing. And the Lord says, according to how you've received Christ, that's a different way, right? We don't receive Christ by following our, our neighbors or our friends, even our good friends, even if we follow their example. We receive Christ by revelation from him. And the last one, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Christ within. When the Lord shows you himself and the Holy Spirit comes in, that changes us. Now, with the Holy Spirit coming in, then we have assurance, we have confidence, we have faith that's from him, not from our mental thinking, but because he's given to us. You know, now we are able to love someone. I I can love someone I never could love before. The Holy Spirit, Christ within. Let's just read one very practical verse, Matthew 6, 1. Just to highlight many of the points we've made today. Matthew 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Okay, remember the story I I told about my Sarah Wilson incident, how I was trying to impress everybody. That's the way we normally operate. But with with the Holy Spirit in our lives, now we have a different dynamic. Instead of us trying to be good like other people are being good or being good enough with the people compared to the people around us now from the inside out right Christ within holy spirit within now we have a different goodness that comes from inside we're not behaving based on what's going on around we actually have inside the holy spirit showing us telling us what to do out of our life with Christ And so in in the world, everything is horizontal and everything is kind of um, uh, shallow. Now, this may seem like a diversion, but there's one comparison, contrast I want to make for for as we as we wind this thing down. We live in an Internet age. Now, I just said everything's horizontal. We spend our time seeing what our friends are doing, what they're, all that. Now, 
We can do that all day long with texting and tweeting, right? Everybody's so in touch with each other. So I'd like you to just join me in a little experiment. Think of two females spending three weeks of their life. They're in school. They're not quite in the same classes. They don't see each other that often. But every chance they get, they're telling each other about their day. All the time. Oh, there was someone there this morning that annoyed me so much. And yesterday I went to the store with my sister and I got this and that. And da 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 Three weeks of this. Oh, they're so in communion with each other. They know everything about it, each other. Has anything of importance happened during those three weeks? Maybe, maybe not. But we knew everything, right? We're, 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 it's like this horizontal thing going to the extreme. I'm not living. I'm just telling you about what I'm doing. I'm too busy texting people about what I'm doing to do anything. So I'm texting about doing stuff. This morning I was on the computer texting other people. It was really exciting. And reading other people's texts. Okay. That's okay. Three weeks of that. Two people. Now, take the same two people. Send one of them on a trip to Jerusalem for two and a half weeks. Send the other one to uh, uh, Shanghai for, for a time of, uh, of meeting people. They don't talk to each other at all for two and a half weeks. At all. No texting, nothing. Now what happens when they get back together? Imagine that conversation, and hopefully it will be in person, Imagine that conversation between those two people. Even the first 30 minutes of that conversation will be amazing. Amazing. Why? Because they went somewhere. They did something substantial. Okay? Now, one more step or else this is a silly story. When we're sharing as members of the body of Christ... If my Bible time consists of, oh, I got a tweet, <laughs> I'll read it, oop, I'll respond to here, da 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 da, what's happening? Those same two ladies, if they spend isolated time with the Lord during those two, three weeks, and then one of them has a moment, a real revelation from the Lord that's going to change her life. And then she can share it with her friend. That's exciting. So the reason I mention that, we're kind of in a world right now where we're getting even more horizontal. Everything's social and we're like so connected. But are we really living? If you don't stop and go to the Lord, who is the only source of revelation, the only way we can learn Christ is direct. That's what real revelation is. Then we have eternal things to share with each other. We have Christ to share with each other. So the fifth was the indwelling Holy Spirit. We didn't not spending a lot of time, but the whole point now is now as you Christ is revealed and, and we accept him inside us, the Lord is expressing himself. 
and contrast that to the world where we're doing it all based on on good works and talent uh, talent and all that we now have the lord in us guiding us and empowering us so the the world's way is horizontal the lord's is vertical i don't want to oversimplify it so let's just read the verse again and we'll we'll close the time Go back to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're looking at just the verse 6 through 8. Now, hope we see a little more in it now. Therefore, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And so we just talked about the five things that that are a part of how we receive Christ. And they all are contrast to the way the world works. Okay? Those five things are things that we can embrace even as we seek him. We keep seeking him. Right? We're open to the Holy Spirit convicting us and showing us. We want Revelation. It's number four. What? Respond. Yes, of course. When he reveals, we respond. And by, we could have done a whole message on you learn by obedience. That's a separate topic. You don't actually grow unless you do respond and obey or you get stuck. So we respond. And then finally... The, the indwelling Holy Spirit, Christ in us, can flourish in response to seeing Christ. So there is our side of this. It's all a gift from God, but there's our side as we respond back to Him. So we've used up our time, and I know you're going to be going to groups after this, but uh, let's close with a word of prayer then. Father, we just thank you again that you are a God who's revealed yourself. In fact, Jesus Christ is known to us as the Word because in your heart you want to express yourself. We thank you that you took care of the the sin problem in such an amazing, incredible way. Christ in going to the cross for us We thank you, Father, that you do reveal by your Holy Spirit Christ to each one of us as we seek you. And Lord, we do treasure those moments. We treasure that revelation when it happens. We want to be those who do keep seeking you. That's how we want to grow. 
We want to be those who are humble before you. Lord, may your Holy Spirit shine light into our lives. Not just see our sin, see our sin nature, but see reality. See things your way. That is how you work. That opens us up to you. Lord, we ask for revelation. That none of us here would settle just with what you've shown us so far. That we go on with you. That we put ourselves at your feet and say, Lord, show me yourself. Show us, show each one of us more of yourself. It's different for every, every one of us, but show yourself to me. Take me on that next step of knowing you as Jesus, as Christ, as Master. And then we can respond to you. And Lord, we thank you that You didn't just save us and just leave us there. You dwell in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the only way we can obey and follow you. So Lord, may we give you your lordship in our lives. And how thankful we are that that goodness comes from you inside out. And that we don't have to live our lives just pretending and trying to be good like everybody else. We can just focus on you. Lord, we uh, put ourselves into your hands. As we have received you, we want to walk. The way we receive you is a wonderful way that focuses on you giving to us. And Lord, free us from the way of the world. It comes naturally to us. It's all around us. But free us. Help us to see That when you pierce in with your revelation, it's everything to us. And we want more of you. We pray that for ourselves. We pray that for us together as we are together for these few days. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.